Today, we're going to do some quick history studying. Maybe, maybe you love history, or maybe uh, you're like me and uh, who have occasionally fallen asleep during history class. True story. So, so this, this story isn't really for students, uh, college students, uh, or anyone, but when I was in college, I, I played noon basketball with uh, a professor, and, and I, I don't remember his name, but he was head of the history department, and, and he was probably, I'd say, 74. I looked him up when I was thinking of the story, and I haven't found him, and I don't know, maybe he has, he has passed away. That was, uh, I guess, 20 years ago, almost. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> wow, time flies. So anyway, we played noon ball. It would be him and another guy who I think might have been uh, a close relative of Yoda. He was that old. And it would be those two versus me. And I was pretty, pretty active and pretty uh, all over the place. And, and, but I had... I, the, at the semester after I started playing basketball with them at noon, he became one of my teachers. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He's so fun to talk to. And he, if you have ever seen a movie where they have shown a typical history teacher, where the history teacher is literally in the front of the room with a book and doing this and reading from the book the entire time, that was every single class. And every person was fighting to keep an eye open. And so I did what any wise, uh, non-accountable young man would do, entrepreneur man. I didn't go to class. In fact, I didn't go to any class from about the midway through until the end, except for when tests were being taken. And, and I just had somebody who gave me all the notes. T uh, class attendance wasn't required. And I still passed the class. I thought I could do that. Uh, or I could sleep an extra three hours a week because I'd be in his class. I'm not suggesting this should happen for any of you students. Julie, you included. Uh, you know, you need to be, pay attention. Uh, but that was just what I decided to do. So, so today, I hope to keep you a little more engaged in our history lesson uh, that we're going to go through. And, and maybe uh, one of... Uh, you and your family are more excited about this, and, and you can keep your, your uh, better half accountable. I'll let you guys decide who's the better half. Uh, but we're going to start our series today in First and Second Thessalonians. And, and this is a great series because we are talking about being ready. We're, we're, we're talking about getting ready. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't read First and Second Thessalonians in, in, a, in a while... I would suggest that you do. I would suggest that you just take time to do it. It's very small amount of reading when you dig into it. It's only eight chapters long, 136 verses, 2,304 words. I can type that many words almost in 30 minutes. So you can sit down and read that pretty quickly. And it's a book where Paul, he wants to thank the people at Thessalonica, uh, and thank them for serving the Lord, and raise them up and um, encourage them, because they have been so focused on, on faith, hope, and love, as, as Bill was reading earlier. 
But we need to go back. We need to figure out how all of this started, and that's where our history lesson is going to come about. And, and did you know that the book of Acts is a history book? And I assume most of you guys did. That, that the book of Acts really helps us to understand where all the epistles, how, how, how they got written, and, and where all the chronological things are happening, and, and how it's all looking. And, and, and we're able to actually start putting that puzzle together uh, to understand all of it. So in Acts 16, that, that's where it starts, uh, where I'm going to start. And, and that's Paul. He's on, he's on his second missionary trip. And this is where he first meets Timothy in Acts 16. And, and he really starts engaging Timothy. Uh, he, he's intending, his whole goal is he wants to minister to Asia. That, that's what he thinks he's, he's supposed to do. And, and Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke... And, and, and other companions, uh, they're going to be eventually joining him and coming with him. Some of them are with him already. So he wants to go to Asia, and, and he's praying to God, and he's guided, and he says, you know what? The Holy Spirit is, is telling me that I need to go somewhere else, that I need to skip Asia, that I, I need to go to Macedonia, and, and I need to uh, start hitting those cities there. And that's just amazing that, that we see that Paul was so willing to just sit in the Holy Spirit and say, what do you want me to do? Because Paul had an idea of what he wanted to do. We always have ideas of what we want to do, but we need to just sit under God's teaching by praying to him and, and asking for that. And so, so they find their way to, to Philippi. And, and that's where... That's where they're like, okay, we're here, we're in Philippi, and we're going to... I think I have a map here, Jacob. There we go. So, so they work their way over, and their first stop, you can see in the top, is Philippi. And so they're, they're going to start preaching the gospel, and everything's going great. They're, they're sharing God's word to everybody, and they're loving it, and people are, are coming to know Jesus Christ, and they're starting to follow a member of Lydia and all her household. They give, they, they give their lives to Christ, and, and they're, uh, they become baptized. Speaking of baptism, uh, we're going to be holding a baptism class, an adult baptism, uh, members, uh, an adult baptism class and a parent's of kids who want to be baptized class. So I'd encourage you guys to sign up for those. That will be in the next month or two. Uh, but, but all these things are going great. And then all of a sudden, a, a, a girl is following Paul around. You guys remember this story? Uh, and, and, and what is she doing to Paul? I'm, I'm looking for some comments here. What is she doing to Paul? Yeah, she's annoying him. Heckling. And, and she's... She's shouting out, hey, they're preaching the gospel, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and she is like a fortune teller, we'll call her, for simple terms. She's like a fortune teller, and, and so she's kind of probably a slave of somebody, and she's hired. And, and finally, Paul gets so annoyed, <laughs> Paul says, come out in the name of Christ. And, and she's healed. And her owners weren't happy about that. And, and that's when all things went crazy. And sometimes, isn't that something? That, that when, I mean, that was a great thing. Good things happen. 
that all of a sudden bad things in your mind start happening or bad things in your life start happening? I mean, he, he healed the young lady. And yet what happened? They got arrested. They got beat, uh, which I don't think they were supposed to be because they were Romans. And, and then they were imprisoned. And in prison, well, what did Paul and, and Silas do? They started singing praises. Man, I want to sing praises while I'm in prison. Whatever that prison is, I want to sing praises. I mean, think about, I mean, they were really beat. They were probably hurting really bad. And we, I was sick really, really bad this week. I mean, I was really sick. And I felt like I, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to see anything. I, I didn't want to think about anything. Man, I can't imagine being beat. And then all of a sudden you're just breaking out in hymns. Like we did at uh, that small group party over at your guys' house. Just breaking out in hymns. And, and, and what happened? An earthquake came about. And, and rattled everything and, and broke down the doors. And, and then the prisoner woke, uh, or the prison guard, he woke up and he thought everybody was gone and, and he was going to take his own life because, you know, they got away on my watch. And, and Paul said, No, stop, stop, stop. And, and he stopped him. And, and, and Paul said, We haven't left. So then the guy bows and says, How can I serve the Lord? And, and they end up going back to his house having food and, and, him, the, the, the jailer, and, and all his household give their life to, to Christ. I mean, amazing story. And then eventually, the next day, like they find out, oh, they're Romans, and we can't beat them. You're released. Get out of here. And, 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 then, and then they go their way. And we got to stop here because I think what they've done already in their journey has been enough, Right? They've done enough. I'm not, I'm not a biblical scholar. I, I love studying God's word. I love understanding it. But, but I would say that their team has done a lot already here at Philippi. I, I don't know how long they were there. Um, probably a lot longer than a month. But, but it seems like when we tell the story, when we look at that story, it's only been a week or two. But I, I think they've... They've been beaten, they've been imprisoned, they've been mocked. Most importantly, they've started a church. They started believers, and they started families trusting in Jesus Christ. I think they're done. I think they're okay with it. They had enough. But the Holy Spirit moved them to the next place. It's interesting, I, I think about in my own life, well, I, I think about Paul. What if Paul, what if Paul got settled right here? at Philippi. Could that have changed all of these things? What if Paul, I know we're in Thessalonians, but we're talking about Philippi right now. We're talking about history. What if Paul got settled right there? And he said, everything was going great. Lydia's house gave their life to the Lord and even the jailers and his family. And he goes, you know what? This is going to be a great place for me to settle down. I'm going to start the first church of Philippi on the corner here, and I'm going to serve as the senior pastor, and, and, and this is where I'm going to retire. 
How much of, of history would have changed if that would have happened? But the Holy Spirit has ways of moving us out of those areas where we feel like are successful. In my own life, I, I felt like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm doing. A lot of good things are happening. Ah, yeah, there's some bad things here and there. And then all of a sudden, God just starts moving you away from it. I mean, I think about I was in Oswego and, and as a principal at 31 years old. You know, at the high success. Why would I ever leave that position? I, I had my own school. I was very comfortable. I was well-liked. But the Holy Spirit had other plans, man. And he kept, he, he caused a couple things happening in my life at the school. It was really weird. And, and finally, I just submitted to him. Maybe I've told you that story before. I submitted to him. And, and that day, both those situations that were just uh, uh, with a thorn that was in me, both those situations went away when I finally just bowed to the Holy Spirit. And I said, it's all yours. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And then I went to Indiana for a lot lower paying job and a lot less, we'll call it glamorous. We'd have never adopted Jacob and Reggie had we not gone to Indiana. We would have never affected the lives that we have affected. I would have never been standing right here if we wouldn't have gone to Indiana. We don't know that, though, during the time. We just have to trust that God has a plan, and, and that's the beauty of Paul. He trusted that God had a plan. And even here at Philippi, okay, I'm just going to keep going with it. I'm going to keep following the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to keep praying and knowing that I'm nothing and he's everything. So now Paul, Silas, and Timothy and their team, they find their way to Thessalonica. And let's see this map. Jacob, we'll go to the second one. So just to give you an overview so you know where we're at, you can see Italy there. It is pretty obvious for us to see. We'll go to the next one, Jacob. And now you can see Thessalonica there. You see Philippi where he was at. And I just want to give you a perspective. Sometimes it's good to understand exactly where we're talking about. So there's Thessalonica. And so they made their way to Thessalonica. And, uh, and now they need to go preach the word. Paul spoke for presumably three straight uh, Sabbaths based on what scripture says here. And he went to the synagogue where the Jews were, and he reasoned with them. He talked to them and focused on explaining why Jesus died, why he was raised from the dead. And he just, day after day, was talking about who Jesus was. And there were some Jews that were persuaded, and there were many Greeks that were persuaded, and some women. But there was these, these group of Jews that didn't like it. They didn't like that Paul was preaching this. And, and, and so they went and found these bad guys, you know, these guys who would take out a knee. And, and they went and got them and said, hey, we got to get these. These guys are causing harm to our city, and we got to get them out of here. And, and so he did. So, so they got them, and they started rioting, and, and all of a sudden they fled out of Thessalonica. So, so they, we don't know how long they were there, but they were there, and, and they went down to Berea. And you'll see... Berea is just southwest of Thessalonica. And like good Bereans, they listened to Paul, and then they studied the scriptures, and they understood what was saying, and they started giving their lives to the Lord as well. 
But the group that was in Thessalonica moved down to Berea, and they started doing uh, the same thing. Finally, uh, Paul said, I'm going to Athens. And he said, Silas and Timothy, you stay here, and I'm going to go. Okay, I'm starting to bring it all together. Here it comes. We're going to land the plane here in a second. Just wait and see. So Paul said that he wanted Silas and Timothy to join him when he was in Athens. While he was at Athens, he started preaching the gospel. He started bringing people to the Lord. He started making and reasoning uh, why Jesus was, was king. And then finally, it brings us to Acts 18. So we moved through Acts. We haven't touched Thessalonians yet, but we are talking about Thessalonians. So Paul gets to Corinth. When Paul gets to Corinth, he starts having some issues. And he starts, uh, he, he's preaching the gospel. Some people are giving a life to the Lord, but he, he, he's frustrated. And remember, he already sent for, for Timothy and, and Silas earlier. And now Timothy and Silas join in. They get to him in Corinth. And, and so this is about 50 A.D. And, and if you're following along in your bulletin, you'll see that we've covered number one, the establishment. Uh, we've now covered the first bullet, that they reason with the people about Jesus, and we're about to hit the second bullet. So, so Timothy and, and Silas got there, and the Lord know, knew that Paul needed some encouragement at this point because Paul was frustrated with what was happening. And so Timothy and Silas say, wow, you should see the things that they're doing in Thessalonica. These people are great. They are serving God with everything that they have, and they were working hard. They, they want to serve the Lord. They're spreading the good news, and everyone's hearing about it in Macedonia. Because remember, they were in Berea. And, and so, so now Paul's excited, and this is where he pens 1 Thessalonians. We, we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, now we're going to the actual book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Verse 7, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through the faith. This is the first letter of Thessalonians. It was written right here. We see right when he got to Corinth and he was being frustrated, right when Timothy and Silas joined him. Second letter was probably written about six months, maybe 12 months after this, uh, not much longer. But first, Thessalon first and second Thessalonians, they're very, very similar. They're both encouraging letters encouraging a church that is serving God, that wants to spread the good news. And it brings us all the way to today's scripture. Today's scripture is at the very beginning of 1 Thessalonians. I, I hope you enjoyed that journey, because I know I've enjoyed the journey as I've studied it thoroughly and, and understanding it. But if you're able to join me, uh, we're going to read 1 Thessalonians, the entire chapter of, verse, of chapter 1, because it's only 10 verses long. So if you can join me as you standing uh, as we read this, we'll get you a little exercise as well. Paul, Silvanus, that's Silas, and Timothy 
to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith, has gone, faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You really are. And we're thankful how you put all the pieces together, that you don't live in time, you live in eternity. And we are thankful for that, that you see a much bigger picture than we do. We love you. Bless our time. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we've reached the point where Paul is now taking some time to encourage these uh, new or newer believers and who are serving God in the midst of many challenges, and probably in the midst of many challengers, probably in the midst of many challengers. And, and, and when we're talking about the Thessalonian church, you have to remember that we're not talking about a building. It's not a building like we have for convenience today, where we get to come and, and really focus on, okay, this is going to be where we teach, this is where we're going to be serving, the God, serving our Lord faithfully learning about him. No, the church was made up of families, made up of people who loved Jesus Christ, who went around and preached the gospel. That's what the church is, and that's what it is today, too. You are the church. People who love Jesus Christ are the church. That's the church of God. It's the same today as it was in 50 AD. Um, but we need to learn or shall we be reminded today that, that our everyday lives need to be a place where we're just preaching the gospel? It's just oozing from us that we get opportunities to, to teach people how to love the Lord and teach people uh, how to know the Lord. You know what? We need to get our knees dirty. Pastor Dave said it earlier, we're praying a lot today, aren't we? Man, we need to pray more. We need to get dirty. We need to get our knees to the ground, and we need to start sweating because we're working so hard to serve our king and to labor for him. And that's what we're going to look at today. We'll see that a healthy church, it's going to be made up of, of three things. Genuine, dynamic, and contagious Christians. Contagious believers people who want to just praise God's name. First, let's look at a health, about a healthy church being a, made up of genuine believers who are loved and chosen by God. Who are loved and chosen by God. Listen to verse 4 of this chapter. For we know brothers loved by God 
that he has chosen you. I mean, what a great statement that is that Paul's making. What a great statement to, to the Thessalonians that, that he's saying, and he's affirming that these believers are part of the elect, that, that they are chosen followers of the Lord and Savior. Because God chose them, they were energized. Because God chose them, they were able to show great zeal for following their new king. Has God chosen you? Think of how huge that is, that God has chosen you to be his follower. That's an honor. And Paul wants to make sure that they understand that that is a pure honor and a pure joy to be chosen. He continues to explain that these genuine believers were people who listened with great intent to the word that was being preached allowed the power of those words to affect them in great ways. You see, if you're a student of God's word, if you want life change to happen, you need to be sitting under the teaching of God's word. That's what we try to do here at the creek. We, we, try, to, we try to preach the word every single time we come up here. We, 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 we go verse by verse. We move book by book. We spend hours studying, hours studying to try to make sure that we know what the Scripture, what God is trying to teach them in the Scripture. We challenge one another at pastor meetings on what the meaning is, what we really want to make sure is, is lifted up. We, we, we dig in, we write, and we spend lots of time writing our messages and, and crossing things out and tweaking it. But most importantly, in this process, we pray. We pray because we, we know that the Holy Spirit has to be there, has to be in the midst of that, and, and has to uh, take control of what's happening. And the Holy Spirit, we want him to be the chief of our words. Because in the end, we want him to get all the glory. And that's what Paul did. That's exactly what Paul did. He, he, he went around, and, and he, wanted, he wanted to make sure that everyone knew about Jesus, but he wanted to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do his talking. You see, the Thessalonians believed that Jesus died for them. They trusted him as a brand new king. No longer was it Caesar. It was Jesus, and it was the Holy Spirit, and that's what he does. You don't come to know the Lord because I tell you a cute story. You don't come to the Lord because I may preach a powerful message. Not that they're any powerful. No, you come to the Lord because the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. You have blinded eyes and Holy Spirit opens them. You have a hard heart and the Holy Spirit can soften that heart. It's all the Holy Spirit. He deserves 100% of everything because we're 100% dependent on Him. You see, without the Holy Spirit, our words... And our deeds, the worship team, what they do, uh, preparing for the message, uh, serving in any part of the church, preaching the gospel. If we're not dependent on the Holy Spirit for all of it, all of it is meaningless. If we're trying to lift ourselves up in the midst of that, 
all of it's meaningless. We have to get out of the way. Thessalon uh, genuine believers, they also imitate Christ. They imitate Christ. Actually, they imitate other believers, and they imitate Christ. I really wanted to focus on the Christ factor of that. Thessalonians watch Paul. They watch Timothy. They watch Silas living out their faith, no matter what the circumstances. They heard about the beating. They heard about the prison in Philippi. They heard and watched the stories in Thessalonica. And they saw that they were genuine about their faith, and they lived it every single day. And people take notice, and they start imitating it. I think of it as a parent. Think about it as a parent. If you are the one who's yelling in the house, guess what everyone else is going to start doing? They're going to start yelling. If you're the one who's angry or bickering or whining, guess what the others are going to do? They're... There, there was a, uh, at the Plano Christmas Classic basketball tournament, there were three coaches that I identified uh, that were coaching these varsity teams, and they were crazy. There, there's no, no other way to put it except for these coaches were crazy. I mean, one coach sat like this the entire game and, and just go, blue, 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 yellow, 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 blue. I'm like, I had an older gentleman sitting next to me he goes, Phil, what, what is he saying? I said, I think he's barking out colors because they're plays, but I'm not sure. And, and another coach just constantly jumping around, yelling at different things, yelling at the refs, yelling at his own players, yelling at the uh, fans, looking at the fans. And, and for a big school, we beat them, by the way. <laughs> oh, I was so happy we beat them. And we beat them because of his antics. Our big guy fouled out in the third quarter, and he yells out, they're done. Jack has fouled out. They're done. Yelled it out so the fans and our team could hear it, and our coach said, now we win. And we were down pretty big, and we lost our, our big player. But it's antics like that, and it all of a sudden, guess what the kids are doing? They're imitating it. That same team went to the loser's bracket after we beat them. That same team, I walk up because I do broadcasting for our, our team, and I'm walking up, and so I have to go through their team as they're in the loser's bracket, and, and, and as I'm walking up, I hear their, their players sitting on the bench who probably never play, and they are, like, angry and yelling at the court. I don't even know what they're yelling at, but they're, like, visibly angry. Why? they're imitating their coach and, and 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 we do that we imitate people constantly and, and what what a huge responsibility it is when we love jesus christ when we love jesus christ that we have to serve the lord with great intention because we know that people are going to imitate us and they're going to start barking things out if we're barking but guess what? If, if I'm dealing with a parent when I was an educator and I'd deal with a parent coming in and they were yelling, I probably annoyed them because I was just very soft-spoken. Oh, okay. Okay, so what I understand, 
And guess what eventually happens? Everything calms down. They start imitating that reaction. We have to serve the Lord. And, and, and Paul knew uh, that, that he had to do that. Remember, Paul, he was a humble man. And he wasn't humble for many, many years of his life. He was very proud. But he says, what, what did he say? I am the greatest of sinners. I am the greatest of sinners, he said. But, but what does he say in 1 Corinthians 4.16? I urge you, I urge you, what? To imitate me. Be imitators of me. Wow. For so long in my young Christian life, I thought that was kind of uh, conceited that Paul would say that, but it was because Paul knew that he wanted to serve the Lord with everything he had. So he said, follow me. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I'm the worst of all sinners, but follow me because I love Jesus Christ. So then he sent Timothy, uh, right after he said, be imitators, he sent Timothy to remind Paul's ways uh, of following Jesus Christ. Can you tell that to someone today? Can you truly say, hey, imitate me. Imitate the things that I'm doing. How's that for conviction? I typed these words. A dozen things came to my head of things that I do in my life that I don't want imitated. Who's watching me? I always think about that. Who's watching me from afar? My family, my church, my community, the school where my kids go, the people at the Newark BP, the post office, the Casey's. What actions am I doing that are being imitated? And, and how can I imitate Jesus Christ more? Man, I've got to study God's word. I've got to dig in. I've got to understand who Jesus is more every day. And I do that through prayer. I do that through studying God's word. I do that through uh, challenging one another. As iron sharpens iron. Having someone keep me accountable. We need to be imitators of Christ so that people can imitate us. A healthy church is also made up of dynamic believers. Dynamic believers who work in faith labor and love and are steadfast in hope. Uh, faith, love, and hope, Bill. It's like you and I had a conversation about this ahead of time. We find it in several places. 1 Corinthians 13, as Bill read this morning. That's classic for if you're preaching at a wedding. We'll see it later on in this book. Paul spoke of it when he wrote his letter to the Colossians in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. He said, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. I'm going to deal with each one of these one at a time. We'll start with work of faith. Work of faith. So this isn't just referring to, to the work of the Holy Spirit, what, he, what the Holy Spirit has done to allow you to be faithful. I, I, I believe this is teaching us about how faith needs uh, to sweat because of the effort that you're putting forth, 
because of the, the, the actual work that you're putting forth. This is where, where someone's given back to the king, where, where you're actually putting hard effort and energy, tireless energy towards your faith. How much effort are you giving to your faith? Are you going through the motions? I know we're busy. We're all busy. I'm guessing the Thessalonian people were very busy too. Uh, but they were dealing with potential persecution. They were dealing with uh, things on their mind like that always. But they knew they needed to work. I, I, I probably have told you the story of my friend Busy in Ethiopia, how he lived in the garbage dump in Addis Ababa, and, and, and he wanted to know more about the Bible and so he would sneak into the church. He was filthy, smelled horrendously, he said. And he would one verse at a time memorize large portions of Scripture. He'd sneak in, read some of the Scripture, memorize it. He'd go out into the dump, battle with 1,500 other young men and, and people trying to get food, and he'd preach the gospel. And he'd go back and he'd do it again. He'd memorize more scripture. And that's how he learned so much of the scripture originally when he was growing up. He was putting forth some major work in his faith. Second, labor of love. Again, this isn't talking about the Thessalonians' love, which is devoted to God, but love that comes out, uh, that's showing a tremendous kindness towards one another. Uh, you need to love people. You need to genuinely love them. Do you love people? Do you genuinely love people who are here at this church? I know I'm an emotional guy. I'm touchy-feely. I, I love hugging people, and I love showing my emotion. And, and that's how I grew up. I, I grew up always kissing my mom and dad goodnight every single night. Every day that I've left my mom and dad, I, from my knowledge, I've kissed them goodbye, and usually kissed, greeted them with a kiss. Every single time. It's just what we do. And, and, but do you genuinely love people? Do you want to see people have life change because of your love for them? I saw this guy on the road in Oswego, and, and, and he had long hair, and, and I have a picture of him. I, I didn't put it up there for you. But it, it was a scary-looking guy. And he had a sign, and, and he was hungry. He was over by the jewel in Oswego. Maybe I told you the story. I, several stories I think I'm repeating here. I'm getting old, apparently. <laughs> so you guys just excuse it, I'm sure. So, but this guy, I, the Holy Spirit really urged me. And so I, I stopped, and I said, asked him, Hey, what's your name? And, and he told me, and he was a foreigner, and, and, and what have you. And so I went and got him McDonald's because he wanted to keep his post. And, and, and so I went and grabbed him a, a, a meal over at McDonald's across the street, and I came back, and my, I was driving the pink Cadillac. And, and I, I had no money. Like, I, all I had was debit card, and I had any change that Sherry happened to have in the, in the car. And so I can't come around, and I park in a parking spot, and, and I just parked there, and I said, Come on over, just take a break for just for, for a few minutes. And we ended up, he sat in the, 
the Cadillac. I had the air conditioning on. It was pretty hot out. And, uh, and he enjoyed a meal in there. And we had a great talk. I bet 20 minutes. We both cried. We prayed together. And I, shared, I gave him my cell phone number. said, call me. I'd love to meet with you again. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to do anything I can to, to help and uh, serve you. And it's all because of Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you what to do or not do. All I'm telling you to do is, do you love people genuinely? Some of you have gone on missions trips, gone to prisons. I'm sure your heart has been pulled in different ways, and you understand sometimes the hurt. Other times, people just walk by and you don't even notice them. Or you walk by people and don't notice them. But I want you to love people. I want to love people more. And, and, and I want to love the people that uh, I walked into the new cafe. Have you guys been there yet? Shabana, show of hands. Anyone been there? Shabana Cafe? Okay, they made some improvements. I've got the Wi-Fi password if uh, you need it. Uh, but I walk in there and I embrace uh, uh, one of the waitresses. Her name's Laura. And she has a first grade daughter, I think, that she brought her to VB, VBS here. And, and so I immediately recognized her, gave her a hug, and, and connected. And it throws people off probably a little bit. But you know what? I've now made a connection. And guess what? She switched over to serve me that time. So we talked several different times there. And, and so embrace people in love. And some of you aren't like me in, 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 <laughs> in being like that. And that's okay. That's not what I'm defining as love. That's who I am. But you have a different way. I don't know what it is. But you need to beg God to let you love people. But it starts right in your home. It starts right in your home. I've been challenging myself all week, and I've been so convicted as I've been studying this that I am going to end any arguments at our home. How could I do that with seven people? I don't know. But that's my goal is because I want love to be produced out of my home. And it starts with me. And it starts with you. Finally, steadfastness of hope. The Thessalonians were steadfast in their ability to accept challenges and trials. And yet they continued to keep their hope for the coming of the King of Kings. You see, they lived in a constant reminder that Jesus was coming back. Jesus was coming back. That's a great thing to hope on, isn't it? That Jesus is going to be returning someday. And that's true today. That we have the hope that the king is coming back. Oh, that is great. It is great to keep that hope. It could be right now. It could be later on this afternoon. I'm excited for it. And I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it? We don't know when it's going to be, but we, we, need to, we need, as a church, as Village Bible Church here in Indian Creek, we need to be steadfast in hope. And our final point, Paul shows us through his writing to the Thessalonians that a healthy church is made up of contagious believers who proclaim the good news. Contagious believers who proclaim the good news. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 1.8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth 
from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You see, these people weren't shy about sharing their faith. They were shouting it from the rooftops. They were telling people on the corners. They were telling their neighbors. They were going to the shop. They were getting their shoes fixed, and they were telling the guy fixing his shoes because everybody was hearing about their faith all over the place, whether in Philippi or Berea. Everyone was hearing about it because their faith was alive. They were confident in what they were saying. You know, when you really, 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 really know something, you're confident, aren't you? When you don't know it or you don't believe it all the way, you're less confident, you're less able to proclaim it. Sometimes our youth, they proclaim things a lot. They don't realize they don't have any clue. And as we get older, it took me 35 years, I believe, when I finally realized I knew nothing. And, and, and all of a sudden, my proclamations all of a sudden became, oh, let me not proclaim things so much. But there's one thing I proclaim always is Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He's my Savior. He died for me on a cross, and he was perfect. And, and when you have that full understanding and full trust and full belief, you proclaim. You proclaim. And that's what being a contagious believer is all about. See, these people showed a passion for their salvation like nothing that Paul had seen. He had been several places, and, and that's, I think, why he's so encouraged. These people were passionate about their faith. They wanted people to know, and, and, and Paul was longing to see them. Their faith was serious, and people wanted to imitate their actions. Paul points out, verse 9, that they have turned away from idols that they have been worshiping. How crucial is that for your overall passion? How crucial is that for your passion is turning away from idols? I wrote down some of them. Sports, money, sex, fame, worldly security, your kids, grandkids, your home, your car, have I picked your idol yet? How about the stock market? Facebook? Television? How about the Powerball? You know, it got up to 946 million, I think, yesterday. I was at the BP last night. Yesterday, the BP sold 4,200. Powerball tickets. I asked them, how many tickets did you sell this week? In Newark, Illinois, Newark has a population of 1,000 people. The Newark BP station alone sold over 15,000 Powerball tickets. You don't think we have an issue with idols? We need to be passionate about our faith. We have to be passionate. 
We, we have to know that, that that's everything. I want I, and I hope you're saying this too, imitate me. I want to be a genuine Christian. I want to be someone who's dynamic and contagious. I want to discover new believers every single day. I want to help discover them, and I want to help develop them, and I want to help deploy them so they can do the exact same thing. I want to be like Paul, who deployed Timothy and Silas, Luke, and the Thessalonians. Are you ready? Are you ready, Village Bible Church? Are you ready to help change the world by serving Jesus Christ in, in unbelievable ways because of who he is here in 2016? Let's ask Jesus for his help. Let's beg that he will allow us to be part of his team to serve him and to spread his kingdom. Let's ask for his help. Heavenly Father, it's just that. We ask for your help. We ask that you guide us as passionate believers who want to be contagious. I think of my sickness this week and, and how I passed it to Allie and, and Molly during the week, and I was contagious, and they got sick. Let me be contagious with my faith and let all my family make sure they get sick on my faith and that they want to proclaim your, your name and, and shout it from the rooftops. And I pray for those opportunities that each of us have here at Village Bible Church that we can find ways to share the good news. We love you, Jesus, so much. We're so thankful for your sacrifice. We're so thankful for your resurrection. We're so thankful for the hope. Keep us steadfast in that, Lord. We love you so much. Please guide us. In your name we pray. Amen.